Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Late Night Rentals, logging in another entry to our month of labor pains. I'm your host, Brandon. Joined with me is my good friend and co-host, Ryan. Ryan, you doing well this evening? I'm doing okay. You know, I just got done eating a lot of fast food, so I'm feeling really jazzed. Nice, nice. So I've got a question for you. All right. If your wife came to you claiming that your mother tried doing a poorly attempted home delivery and then poison her with morphine, would you believe her? Uh, no, my mother's a saint. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> she might be listening. You gotta, you, you gotta like prepare everything that I do with my family members. It's all in preparation for Christmas. So I, I, I always kiss ass for Christmas. Yeah, I still get, I still get some nice, uh, like Ninja Turtles toys and stuff. Good, good. <laughs> all right, renters, get out those membership cards because tonight we're renting. Hush. From the moment they met, he made all her dreams come true. Marry me. Is it yes? I do. I love you, Jackson. His home was her home. You never told me it was like this. It's no big deal. <laughs> His family was her family. I'm Jackson's grandmother. You'll be a big hit around here. And his mother embraced her. She's a wonderful, wonderful girl, and I love her. But in this house... What about your mother? <laughs> There's only room for one mother. She's breeding herself a grandson. Now, you two aren't having any problems, are you? It's been different since we've been down here. What's this I hear about you wanting to have the baby at home? Why is she telling him things that I didn't say? God said you are most worthy. I don't know what has been going on between me and your mother, but I need you. Take the child to your bosom mother. She murdered my son and got away with it. She'll do the same to you. Amen. TriStar Pictures presents... Is this my baby or is it hers? Two-time Academy Award winner Jessica Lange. There's that poison. <laughs> Steer clear. We don't want any accidents happening. Gwyneth Paltrow. Your mother tried to kill me last night. <laughs> Jonathan Sheck. Am I crazy? Am I completely crazy? Just a little crazy. There's just no stopping you, is there? Where are you going? To the hospital! I don't think so. You can't! Helen, bad girl, you, you found me out, didn't you? Never get away with this. Stay away from my boy. Okay, not to be confused with the 2016 release of the same title that was directed by Mike Flanagan, Hush, from 1998, stars Gwyneth Paltrow and Jessica Lange in a downright snooze fest. I was on board with this movie until the ending, uh, which we'll get to, but uh, once that ending hit, yeah, this movie can jump right into a high-grade wood chipper. Preferably, Ryan, preferably, feet first. It's the, I feel like this movie, it is very bland. 
and I wasn't captivated by it at all. But I actually like the ending. It doesn't change the movie for me, but I do think that's the best part of the movie. Well, that's the end for our episode. Thank you for tuning in tonight. And... <laughs> Next week, we'll be doing Four Keeps. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, I guess before we get to that moment, I want to jump into essentially one of the things that really, really got me tied into this movie from the get-go was Jessica Lang. I'm a huge Jessica Lang fan, especially like when she's utilized well. She is strong. She is a powerhouse actor. And it's everything that she does from the start of the movie up till the end. I mean, that's why I was getting behind it. That's why I was getting on board. I was, but this is probably my own damn fault. I was getting my hopes up for some sort of awesome climactic ending. Uh, but then it didn't happen. No, it, I was also kind of flabbergasted. Like, that's it at the end. But I think, like her character builds up as the movie goes on. She's, she doesn't have her big breakdown until the end. So like, there's no, like even the scene where she's threatening her dead husband's mother, uh, which is very, a very weird setup that they do. She's still not over the top about it. It's very calm, cool and collected. Um, and I think that that goes a long way for her performance because the other performances around here are, are around her are just not good. Oh, man, let me tell you, she was acting circles around everybody. And it's just the little things that she was doing. Like, she gives off this presence. I don't know, the, the whole time I was watching her, she gave off, like, this Golden Age actor akin to, like, that of Anne Savage or Barbara Stanwyck. It, almost, like, borderline femme fatale in terms of the things that she wanted to be done and accomplished. Uh, she has, like, this nice little giggle to everything very condescending giggle and it's something like Gwyneth Paltrow's character Helen picks up on right away and that almost becomes sort of the the first wedge between their relationship <laughs> mom does everyone think I'm moving in or is Madge just a traveler <laughs> well let's see with the flyers I sent out and the ad in the paper <laughs> I didn't really tell her that but I guess my hopes were showing look I know you want me to come back and work the place but my work's in New York. Do you never speak about that job as if you loved it? Helen's in New York. <laughs> and now that's mighty inconsiderate of you, young lady. Steal away my baby boy. <laughs> well, now, why can't you just be sensible? Hmm? Leave your life and your work and your friends and move in here with a controlling old woman? Hmm? Learn how to bake bread and shovel horseshit. <laughs> You're not that old. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, sweetheart. Let's not let Madge spoil our Christmas. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Night. I can see that. I love Lang. I love Jessica Lang so much. And there were so many things leading up to, like, one of the things I liked was, I guess <laughs> it's not much subtlety to her performance in this because within the first scene, I was just like, I wrote down in my notes, Martha, you're not fooling anyone. You're up to no good. <laughs> <laughs> like the first moment I see her on screen, I'm like, oh yeah, this, this woman's up to some bad shit. Yeah. They, that's all. That's one of the big problems I have with this movie. They kind of telegraph a lot of things like, mm. uh, at the beginning or near the beginning when Gwyneth Paltrow's character comments on how clean the house is, like how clean she's like oh you cleaned up and he says no my mom did and it's a big house and so she goes into the bathroom and her 
diaphragm is just sitting there on the bathroom sink, you know, just out and about. And so the camera lingers on it. So they're letting you fucking know that the mom did something to it. Not even trying to hide it. And I, I feel that's a huge, like a huge problem with the movie. When, um, when Gwyneth Paltrow's character gets assaulted in her apartment in New York, right away I knew the guy was at, the, like the guy that works at the horse stables that we met for one scene like 20 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it, it was very obvious. And it's just, I feel like that sort of bland storytelling where they're not, it, it, there's no tricks to it. There's no twist in that. Like, I guess the twist would be the identity of the, of Robin, whatever. It's just and like some stuff, even when he's talking, when um, Jackson, the son when they're walking through Central Park and he sits her down to tell her this, the, the deeply troubling story about how he killed his father <laughs> on a bright, like it, it, the scene is weird in and of itself because it's a bright sunny day and they're in Central Park. And he's just like, I pushed him down the stairs and she, my mom came in and hugged me and said it was just an accident. You know, my father died. What you don't know is that it was my fault. When he fell? When he fell. But honey, you were seven years old. I was hiding under the stairs. See, my parents were arguing. They were fighting about this this woman that my father was seeing, this Robin Hayes. See, he was leaving us to be with her. So my mom stormed out the back, and I thought my father was going after her, so I charged in there like I was going to save her or something. I went straight into him stumbled back and lost his balance. The doors were open to the basement stairs. And he went down. Like, they're telegraphing exactly what the big reveal is at the end. And see, that was one of the, I think that was one of the first problems where I was kind of, again, this is my own fault for trying to, you know, get my excitement up for some sort of fantastical ending. But when he tells her that story in Central Park about how his father fell down the stairs, the first thing my brain went to is like, oh, this is how Martha's getting it. This is going to be like some sort of weird just desserts that's going to be oddly familiar with how his father died. And it's like it's going gonna, it's gonna to put him in a situation where he has to push her, like where his, he, he's sort of fuzzy on the idea of if he did that to his father. But it's going to get to a part in the ending where he's like he has to make the physical choice to save his wife, you know, like it's almost like that moment in the movie, the good son where she has to choose between, you know, her actual son or her nephew. And it's like, she chooses the lot. She chooses the logical choice based on who, you know, who was more pure. And that's what I was thinking was going to happen with Jackson. It's like, Oh, it's my mother, but this is my wife. But ultimately he would have to make that choice and push her down. Like, not even 10 minutes in, man. I was already writing endings that I should have never probably had any right doing. <laughs> no, I mean, that ending, that ending would have been, would have been probably more emotionally satisfying than the, the ending that we got. Um, I still, I, I probably, but if we had that ending, I probably would have hated it. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause it's just, cause it's too obvious. That's, oh. I think that's why I, I think that's why I dug the ending how I did just because everything leading up to it's like, yeah, I know this is going to happen. Like, I know this is going to happen, but there, there's no, there's no big payoff, you know, mm -hmm. like I, what you're describing. Right. And that's probably just like, 
you know, I, I can understand where your interest comes in it. Absolutely. I think a lot of it is just my, uh, I watched too many fucking bad movies as a kid. And now I have like this weird <laughs> standard of like, eh, this movie didn't end the way that I wanted it to. <laughs> Let's talk about let's talk about Gwyneth Paltrow. She's the obvious lead of this movie. This is '98, same year she won the Academy Award for um, Shakespeare in Love, best. Yeah. I want to say lead actress. I'm not 100 positive. Um, she's not good in this movie at all. No, no. This was before the Goop got her. This I I, I was stunned because like she's not a big part in Seven, but she's like good in that movie i we could put that down i guess to david fincher being her director for that movie true um you know she's decent in shakespeare and love definitely not worth of a worthy of an academy award (laughs) um but she's not bad here i i feel objectively she is bad because like her emoting is very one note is it do you think this was something that maybe she I mean, I always hate saying because it, it feels just like a cheap answer. But do you think it was just a paycheck? Do you think it was just a job that she was like, OK, because I feel like if you were acting along someone who actually was deserving of the two Oscars that won Jessica Lange, you would f- I would feel like you'd be like, oh, my God, this is an opportunity to not only learn, but to really try to stretch my range against someone else who is, you know, who is at a higher caliber than Gwyneth Paltrow. I feel like that would be an opportunity, but she just feels like she didn't want to be there. I wouldn't say this is a paycheck movie because, I mean, she's still young in her career. She's only a couple years in, I would say. I mean, I don't know when she started, but Seven was 95. It's only three years prior. So I, def- I wouldn't say it's, I definitely wouldn't say it's a paycheck movie. Maybe maybe there's some, like, behind-the-scenes drama that we don't know of. Maybe she didn't get along with the director or something. Maybe she didn't get along with Jessica Lange. Who knows? Maybe Jessica Lange was too intense for her. But, I mean, to me, it's just, I feel like... Because the movie is supposed to kind of revolve around the act, like the char- the two main two main female characters of what was her name? What's Gwyneth Paltrow's character's name? Helen. Helen, and then I, I should ask you what her Jessica Lange's character's name is because I can't remember her name either. <laughs> uh, Martha. Martha. Between Helen and Martha, and whenever whenever they're in a scene together, you can tell that like they're both acting because one of them isn't keeping up. It kind of kills whatever mood, whatever investment you're going to have in this combative relationship. You know, now that you bring that up, that is that is a good point. I think, man, because again, like if if you're if anyone listening, if you watch this movie, really pay attention to Jessica Lange, especially just those little mannerisms and body language. And again, like I mentioned, her giggle. It's she gave that character for a movie as you know as unknown and, and insignificant as it is. She still gave it a Jessica Lange performance, whereas in comparison to Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, I almost feel like maybe that could be a possibility. Like it, it almost feels like intimidation on screen to where she doesn't really do much. Like she doesn't do much to even try to, like what's the movie in comparison? Like Batman Forever. Like so, the behind the scenes on that, real quick side story is that um, the only reason why Tommy Lee Jones, uh, his Two Face, acts like the Joker. It's only because he was being paired up with Jim Carrey, who was the Riddler, acting like the Joker. And Tommy Lee Jones and, and Jim Carrey fucking hated each other on set. And Tommy Lee Jones didn't want to be one-upped from each other. He didn't want to be one-upped by this Jim Carrey. So that's why those two on screen, they're always just neck and neck in terms of just batshit performance. 
And I'm wondering, like, you know, if someone was a little bit more experienced than Gwyneth Paltrow, probably would have wanted to keep pace with Jessica Lange. But with Gwyneth not really being in that experienced pool yet, it almost feels like intimidation. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. The 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 one that's the the big scene that stuck out to me, and it's like it's small and inconsequential, like when you just look at it on its surface, where it's the the dinner when she gives the drugged cake, like she's trying to give her the drug cake, because like I get in that scene, Gwen Helen's supposed to be tired and angry, and you know she's kind of just over. Okay, I lost Jessica Lang's character's name again. She's over the mom, Martha. She's over Martha. And, you know, she knows they're leaving the next day because she's packing and all that stuff. And just, like, how Gwyneth, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow plays it just, like, bland, like, kind of like an annoyed teenager, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you know, her unhip mom is trying to get her to listen to, like, you know, try to get her to talk about Nirvana or something. <laughs> but, like, but Martha, how Jessica Lang plays her is, like, you can see the desperation. Like, you can feel the desperation coming off of her. She's still cool and collected. It's like, there's these just, like, slight enunciations of words, slight tilts of the head, how she hands her the cake. It, it's amazing, the discrepancy between the two. Oh. <laughs> I was just remembering when I had Jackson. <laughs> oh. I thought that pain was just going to rip me in half. <laughs> Oh, honey, here, let me get you some dessert. No, thank you. You know what? I'm really tired. I'm gonna go oh, but I made it especially for you, Helen. Come on, it's strawberries, your very favorite. Go on, take it, indulge yourself. <laughs> go on, take it. <laughs> you deserve it. I think I'll just take it after bed. Yes, <laughs> go on. <laughs> That baby needs all the rest he can get. Or she. Or she. Not Martha. Sweet dreams. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, I I have to say, like, I think that one of the things that threw me off right away was that transition to Helen distrusting Martha. It comes rather quick and abrasive without any real, you know, textual evidence to sort of elicit why Helen would be so distrusting of Martha. And I think, you know, it's just the moment of when, I I think that real first moment when Helen is distrusting, it's when they're at some sort of like horse buying kind of like ceremony or like some sort of horse buying party. And then as she was wanting to go talk to Alice, which is Jack's grandmother, Martha forbids it. And then it's just this weird exchange of dialogue. And then as Helen is walking off, Martha screams. The horse jumps up in fright, almost uh, stomping her to death. And I was like, why? Like what? There was nothing really before that moment that led anything for Helen to be like, well, now I'm going to start being a bitch to you. And I feel like this is where editing could have been handled this a little bit better because there's a moment when Helen and Alice are talking about because um, there's a moment where they're talk they're off on their own and she's talking about how Jack's father actually died that's when she reveals 
to Helen how he actually fell down onto some sort of tool that crushed his sternum. Uh, the papers labeled it a freak accident. And then there's a whole moment in the bathroom when Helen's taking a bath that Martha reveals to Helen that she essentially was pregnant with a child before Jack but lost the baby. Or no, she it had abnormalities. That's what it was. And she... Uh, she didn't comes out. She doesn't come out and say it, but she does say like because of its abnormalities, I had to dispose of it. So I feel like I think, she, I think she uses the term. I think she says terminate. Yeah, I think so. I I think that's what you're you're right. And that's where I'm like, okay, I think if you would have had those two scenes before the horse buying scene, that already would have given texture for Helen to be distrusting. And it, it just makes it weird. I I just that transition to her not trusting Martha came weird, and it came at a weird time for me. Well, they they try to build it up because um, to that point, because there's there are moments when Helen will tell Martha something, and then she'll like the next scene she'll find out Martha said something else. Like she says that um, you know she doesn't she the doctor mentions to Helen how Martha said that she wanted to have a, an at home birth, and then Helen's like, no, I never said that. I don't. I never said that. And then the next scene her and Jackson are walking through that little town. She's like, you know, your mom can't control this or whatever. So like they're, they're trying to build up to that. I just think I, th- the, I think it feels rushed because they spend like the first 35 minutes not doing that. And so when they start doing it, it does come fast because the movie's only an hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. So they basically spend the first half building up and then the second half coming down. There's no, didn't feel like a roller coaster to me. Exactly. I think that's where our, not saying that you know we don't we shouldn't have time spent for Helen and Jack. Of course we should, but if your central antagonist is Martha, you need to start building Martha up because it's obvious the movie is trying to treat her like some sort of Hitchcockian villain and it's like you have to give time and texture for that. You just can't introduce it, then ignore it for a little bit and then come back to it and then rush into some sort of conflict. It just you're not going to feel anything for either party. And this is, again, this is where my expectations probably hindered my viewing, is uh, there are no deaths. There is not one death. And there's even a moment, two missed opportunities, I think, that could have been done. One being Alice, the grandmother. Like, there's even, uh, there's even a scene where Alice is positioned in a situation that Martha could have obviously killed her, but she doesn't. And it's like, again, that that becomes another moment where it's like, oh, come on, man. Like, I feel like, again, like there's nothing really building Martha up. There's there's expectations that we have of her, but the movie never gives us that. It never gives Jessica Lange sort of that, that level to reach to. It kind of like s- subdues her a little bit. I do think it's weird. You know, I'm not huge into... I'm not practicing Christian or anything like that. But I do think it's weird how they try to intertwine her evilness with her catholicism because you have that scene where after she like is basically like she's past her point of no return um and she after she hasn't tried uh, intimidated the grandmother into not saying anything anymore she goes to church and does her confessional and like it's intercut with something that helen's doing but i can't remember what she's doing and at the beginning Jackson mentions that she's a, a it's a, a Catholic thing when they have to sleep in different bedrooms. And I, I just thought it was strange that they tried to tie those two things together because they don't really mention like they go to church uh, for Christmas and like that's it. 
I guess the uh, outside of the confessional before she is about to, you know, take the baby and kill the mom. The I feel like that's like their justification of why she's this way. And that just seemed weird to me. I don't know why I really dug that confessional scene. I think that's that's where my excitement peaked because <laughs> I was thinking, oh, shit, because, you know, you had mentioned the confessional. She goes to uh, she's at a confessional booth. And it almost becomes like sort of a, a literal and a figurative confession, at least to me, like, you know, not only for us, the audience, but for herself, like a sort of an ease of mind, a justification in order to progress. because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, but most of all, because they offend thee, my God, who sent me a daughter-in-law from the land of the Moabites. And whither thou goest, I will go, she said, and your people shall be my people. And she went down to the threshing floor and did exactly as her mother-in-law instructed. And she conceived a son. And God said, will be born and renew your life for he is born of your daughter-in-law and is better than seven sons you understand don't you this is all for him and the baby a precious baby who has no one no one to protect him from her She's not only asking for God's permission to do what she's about to do, but I like when that camera pans over to an empty confessional booth, and then it's like, oh my God. So it's almost like she's asking permission from us, the viewers, to be like, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it. And then that's where I, my palms got sweaty. I like, I lurched up on the couch. I'm like, I started looking over at Shariah, clapping my hands, and like, oh my God, we're about to get some Jessica Lang action. And uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no when that when the confessional thing happened i that's when i started rolling my eyes like oh because now she's gonna get over the top and she's gonna start screaming a lot and we're gonna get you know all these she's gonna start murdering people and that never happened see that's what i never that's what I, that's what i love about your perspective on on movies and mine like it's if anyone's listening it's clear 
just how cartoonish I want every goddamn thing to be. <laughs> but I don't know. Like I, I, I wouldn't blame it. Like this movie, if if she had gone on like a murderous rampage, like a serial mom sort of thing, I would have I would have probably been more into that the second half of this movie than I was because it at least would have been entertaining. Yeah, I think that's that's what it's missing most. Again, like I'm just going to keep praising Jessica Lange cuz she's the only one in this movie that it seems to be trying. There's just not enough texture. There's not there's nothing there's nothing exciting. I think the some of the positives like outside of Jessica Lange, I I really like and this isn't anything I don't think that relates to the story, but I really like the house. Like the the house, uh, the Kilronan homestead, it's nice. I wish I lived there, but I hate how it's shot. Hate it. Mm. They are obsessed with that soft focus. So much soft focus in this movie. Yeah, and they don't allow the camera, or they don't allow any of the characters really to explore much of that house either. If I'm on, if I'm being honest with you, other than one or two bedrooms, the only other thing about that house, interior-wise, that I can remember is the foyer. <laughs> that's it. Like, there's nothing else about the house that stands out to me in the interior sense. No, it's just uh, a lot of rich white people stuff. Like, old, what do they call that? Old money? I feel like the, maybe they're trying to see... Like, this is these are what, like, uh, white country folk do, you know? Because it's a... Uh, uh, they live in New York, so this is like the New Yorkers version of country folk. Because it keeps saying down here, so my thought was that they're in like northern Pennsylvania. I'm a now I'm I'm a simple boy from Ohio, but I would imagine New Yorkers would think that Pennsylvanians are rednecks. It is like I I am glad that you mentioned the house though, because it does have on when like you get those exterior shots, it does have a nice profile. You know, it, it's it's. It's one of those houses that's always classic for that trope of, you know, bringing the city character and isolating them in the country, bringing them out of their elements, especially since, you know, you could take it even further that their apartment was a studio apartment in New York. So it's like it's small, it's cramped. But then going to a house like this, you would expect to have more room and feel big. But because of your isolation and because of living under the roof of a tyrannical mother-in-law, uh, you feel that much smaller than you did in your apartment. And that's what, yeah, I was going to mention that's a huge missed opportunity because they, when it finally gets to Martha inducing labor, inducing Helen's labor with the oxytocin and the drug cake, like they could have established that, like they could have turned the home into like a horror house because they spent this time taking these, you know, everything is in soft focus with bright, you know, lighting every like when the house is shown, it's mostly during the day. We got these beautiful fall colors on the trees. The horses are just, you know, running about and stuff. And they could have, by the time, you know, shit's going down, they could have turned the house. Like we could have felt it through the house that they are alone. Mm. This big house, no one's coming to save her. Right. And they did, they don't even think it crossed their mind. <laughs> it, it Maybe it did briefly, because there is a moment when she tries to escape in the vehicle, but then she gets it stuck and then starts running through the woods on foot. So, like, there's, I guess you could treat that moment as, like, oh, you 
but well no that doesn't make sense because she even gets to a highway where like several truckers pass her by like the, <laughs> like fucking road meat they're like Ur-ur. it's like she is pregnant and bleeding like why is no one pulling over for this woman <laughs> and then she and then she just accepts it and gets back in the car with martha like there's these are things that only happen in movies you know like i can i can I can get like, oh, the argument, oh, she was so distraught, she just gave in because she had no, she, you know, realized she had nowhere else to go. It's like she could still scream. Yeah. She could still put up a fight. <laughs> to go back to that moment when she is fleeing, uh, she runs into the guy that was essentially hired by Martha to intrude on her in their studio apartment in New York. I was expecting something more to go with that, but man, like. I think he was just in to show, like, you know, that whole Chekhov's gun. Like, oh, we showed, we did a close up on his bruised thumb. We got to make sure to show it one more time. So that I it's know, because like... the audience was so fucking stupid. They couldn't put two and two together. <laughs> right. Like, when he intruded the first, when he was actually intruding, he didn't even, like, change up his voice or anything. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, this is, this is second grade level puzzle solving bullshit. Yeah, because it's uh, it's super fun. Because when we first meet him, she's horseback riding and she gets lost. And there's just this random scene where she comes across this guy who's about to kill a chicken. He's about to kill a chicken, folks. And so she asks for directions and he gives her the directions. And then when she gets attacked in their apartment, it's so fucking obvious. But they still focus on the bruised thumb. So that... When the reveal happens, because we're too dumb to put it together, uh, oh, it was him. I don't know. I felt that was one of the things I felt insulted by the movie. (laughs) This movie's insulting a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, you want to talk about the ending? Sure. Yeah. Um, I was surprised. This, uh, I guess this doesn't really have anything to do with the movie, but I I thought for a second at some point in the movie, we were going to get an incest storyline where Martha was either trying to or Helen caught Jackson fucking her. But that never happened, and I was disappointed. But the ending... Oh, shit. Not to cut you off, but holy fuck. We vibed, buddy. We are vibing. I wrote that down in my notes, too. The first thing, like, right after I was saying, like, Martha, you're not fooling anyone, the next note was like, please tell me one of the endings is going to be an incest story. (laughs) (laughs) So that was one of the things I thought thought was going to appear at the end did not happen what happens you get this classic scene where uh helen walks into a room above the barn and there's all this baby stuff laid out this is after martha has given her the oxytocin the night before to induce labor she tries to escape martha brings her back then she's giving birth on the bed gives birth uh martha's being a bitch about it the Jackson, he is off at a horse race because they're trying to sell their horse so they can sell the farm or the homestead. You get this annoying scene uh, where Gwyneth Paltrow <clears throat> tries to pretend like she's um, giving birth um, and she just kind of like high-pitched squeals a couple times. And then <laughs> my favorite part was Martha tries to kill her after the baby's born. Martha tries to kill her by putting, I would assume, 30 mill uh cc's of morphine directly into her vein and just how it's shot made me laugh out loud because you see her jab the syringe into her the vein in her elbow like it's a big vein there she plunges and then it cuts to Gwyneth Paltrow smacking it away and then it cuts to a wide shot as the syringe 
just flies towards the camera. And that made me laugh just because like it's very obvious she got a, she should have gotten a lot more than just like five milliliters or whatever would make her just pass out <laughs> into her arm. But like if you smack it like that, you're not going to have just the bruise that she shows us the next morning. You're going to have some serious damage. Blood is going to fly. The syringe didn't have anything on it. Surprise, surprise. Um, but we get this we get this great reveal where everything we've learned or everything we've been wondering about the movie is explained to us at the end. But I liked it because there is no like there's no big moment. Like there's no like Martha doesn't die. Helen doesn't die. Jackson doesn't die. The baby, unfortunately, doesn't die. <laughs> like it, They try to present it where now Helen has all the power. Martha has been in control of the situation the entire movie. She's been pulling the strings, but oh no. Helen now. Helen has the upper hand. And she's going to take Jackson away. But again, <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't play the part that well because again, it comes across like she's just bored. The way I like my stories and the way I even write my own is that uh, I love the just desserts angle. I, I feel like if you are a horrible person or if you are committing horrible deeds, like you need your comeuppets. You need that just desserts to give in. That's probably me watching and reading too many fucking tales from the crypt. But I feel like Martha needed something. Like she needed some sort of there needed to be some sort of retribution on the bad choices that she's made not only in her past but the things she was wanting to recreate in the present that's what really bummed me out the most i think so the the slap the one slap we got wasn't good enough for you you want to take everything i have and leave me with nothing do you see what she's doing she wants to So long, Martha. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm complete I'm completely there with you. Martha should have died. Like she should have died. There's no reason that she sh like Jackson is never going to see her again. So like she has been orchestrating this whole thing to keep Jackson and her grandson to her in this house. Jackson is going to Jackson is is he stands up and says that he's going to sell the house and everything in it and she's never going to see him or his family ever again. So she has lost literally everything. That's not good enough. For it, for the stuff she pulls, she should have died. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and because now, like you had mentioned earlier, too, that, you know, it was the movies looking at it as like Helen is getting the power back. That would have been an opportunity then. Like if I had mentioned before, maybe the choice comes down between Jackson saving his wife or his mother. You could almost put that choice back into Helen's hands like it could be up to Helen because it was if you have Jackson, literally her her one true love, the last thing in her life that she cares about and holds on to dearly. If that thing is blatantly telling you to your face, I no longer want to be a part of your life, that should be like the barriers broken. She no longer looks at him as a son, she looks at him as an enemy. And that's where you could have her trying to literally attack him because he's holding the baby. So that would be almost like a double attack. And that could, you know, have Helen go into Super Saiyan mode and just be like, it's time to destroy this woman who is trying to destroy my family. And then that's how you give power. That's how you 
essentially make us care for Helen then, because now Helen has to step in, not only as the role of a mother protecting her young, but you know the role of uh, a wife protecting who she loves uh, to try to finally eliminate the evil. Absolutely. I was hoping that Martha was going to try to attack Helen at the end. Like, I... Because the, 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 the scene is, is supposed to be building up to a moment, and that moment is just a slap. That's all it is. Hel- uh, Heather, uh, Martha um, is getting more and more... I don't know what the word is. It's not hysterical, but she's getting uh, louder. She's getting more forceful. She's getting more... Uh, yeah, I guess hysterical is the right word. As the scene progresses, as Helen is telling the backstory of everything, and it should have. As soon, I, I agree. As soon as Jackson said, "I'm selling everything in this place," uh, I'm selling this place and everything in it. She should have tried to attack somebody, mm-hmm. but she doesn't. And then they just leave, and she's just crying on the floor. And I am deeply, deeply unsatisfied. <laughs> could it be? Could it be the director, the slap that Helen gives to Martha? Is that his sort of symbolic way of slapping the audience? I mean, I would hope that because <laughs> this guy only has one feature other than this movie. I would hope that he's not that arrogant to like look like to talk <laughs> down and look down on the people who want to watch this movie. But I, I mean, at this point, I don't know what other explanation. So, with that being said. Uh, Ryan, good sir, do you recommend this movie to renters? <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, as we have said, uh, we spent the entire show really bashing every aspect except for Heather Lang, and I don't think that there is any redeeming quality. This feels like like it's shot like a Hallmark movie, like not the not the newer digital ones, but like the ones from the early two thousands. It is very boring. It's poorly written, poorly structured, and the only positive is, I called her Heather Lang, Jessica Lang. Uh, the only positive is Jessica, Jessica Lang's performance, and even, I don't, I don't think that's even close to enough to make anyone want to watch this movie. I will disagree. It did get nominated. Her performance got nominated for a Worst Actress Award at the Razzies. She lost to the Spice Girls. I looked that up. And uh, I, <laughs> the, the Razzies, the Golden Raspberries, are awful. Don't ever really pay attention to them. Uh, but I definitely don't agree that it's a terrible performance. But like, there's no completionist aspect of this that I can. That I, I I would feel comfortable saying watch it. Like it feels like a shitty movie from the '90s, and it should be forgotten. Like your average shitty movie from the '90s. <laughs> Absolutely. I would. I, the only recommendation I would give is if you are. I mentioned it before in another episode. You know, if you're an actor completionist, but then, oh man, part of me is is wanting to tell you uh, to not even worry about this because Jessica Lang is. While she is good, the movie never lets her become the fucking firework that she is. Like they never just let her explode or go really over the top. That I know she can do. That she has shown and proven in other movies. Uh, which is, if anything, it should have allowed her to get to that point. It should have allowed Jessica Lang to just be like, look, uh, I am the captain now. And she was like, <laughs> you know, but they don't let her do it. And because of that alone and because of the ending, this is the first movie in our show, in, our, in, our, in all the episodes that we've done, this is the first one to really kind of get me heated. And it's simply because <laughs> you do not hire Jessica Lang and not let her go beyond 
what she is capable of. So with that being said, uh, no, skip this. Skip this completely. When I said in the beginning, let this go feet first and, and a wood chipper, yeah, let it go feet first and put it on the lowest setting. Whew, I'm done now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we didn't even talk about the, the guy that plays Jackson. I've never seen him before, but I told you earlier, I... I was just distracted by his face every time he was on screen because he looks exactly like Peter Gallagher and Harry Connick Jr. just like mushed <laughs> together. And it was just, I was just so distracted that he, he looks so much like those guys, but he doesn't look enough of like one or the other. <laughs> and I just kept thinking like, we could have gotten Harry Connick Jr. in this movie. Why did oh we not do that? God. He, if anything, he would have at least, he would have at least been on par with Jessica Lang. That's a good, yeah, that would have been a great acting choice. He would have at least had charisma. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good choice. Good choice. All right. This is, we're coming to the end of Labor Pains. We've got one more entry. Next week will be Four Keeps with Miss Molly Ringwald. And uh, other than that, Ryan, do you have anything else to add or say to this movie? I do not. I want it to be over. <laughs> I am with you. I am with you. So with that being said, Ryan, thank you, I guess, for watching this trash with me. It was my pick, so fuck me, right? <laughs> and thank you, renters, if you're still around, all six of you. It's probably down to one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so thank you for joining us, and please join us next week as we round up our month of labor pains. Uh, hope you have a great evening, and as always, hope you have a wonderful late night rental. The jade egg is an ancient um, Chinese practice where women insert the jade egg in their lady parts right. and um, to help tone the pelvic floor. How does it help do that? I don't know. I need to start my jade egg <laughs> practice. You've never been on this website before, have you?